Welcome to the Beauty Saves. We're the Pauls. I'm Jessica, a coffee enthusiast, garden lover, and artist. We have four children I home educate full-time, and we also nurture a small, slow-growing farm, gilded forest with grand aspirations. I love cultivating beauty in every aspect of our lives, and I'm deeply passionate about the importance of everyday beauty to our souls. And I'm Garrett, husband, father, armchair theologian, campfire philosopher, and lifelong intermediate surfer. We invite you to join us as we venture down the path into the beauty that saves. Hi, and welcome to the Beauty Saves podcast. This is episode one. I'm Jessica. This is my husband, Garrett, and we're a family that lives on the central coast of beautiful California. I'm also a creator. I um, am either weaving or painting or writing or taking photos. Um, growing flowers outside or even organizing my chickens eggs and color coordinating them in boxes um, it's just who I am I love to create literature and creativity is the heart of our home and the heart of our home education which um, also has dyslexia thrown in there so that is a fascinating thing um, because we are such literature lovers um, I'm sure it'll come up again as you get to know us more. Um, we'll probably talk about that in some way or form. I am fairly quiet and more of a listener. So through this podcast, it'll probably mostly be Garrett talking. But well, ho hopefully that's not true. Well, we'll <clears throat> see. But I, I am constantly in thought. I love good conversations. I love um theology and just topics that I can learn and grow from and so this is exciting to me and like Jessica said we are a, we're a family that literature has a fundamental place in who we are and that's really my background uh, coming to uh, the arts was for me through literature most most predominantly um, I was a literature and language major in college and actually found a career for a while as a high school English teacher where I, I got to teach at a private Christian school. We are, in fact, Christians, and that is going to be fundamental uh, to our endeavor here. Um, but I, I got to teach Shakespeare and other things that I like, love so much. And I think something uh, Jessica and I have will be discussing, as she said, is with dyslexia in our home um, and both of us being avid readers, when you have children who struggle with reading, how do you communicate the same kind of value to them that for us was communicated through that medium? And, and you can. You and just you have can. to think outside the box. All our kids love right. stories. And like I said, I'm sure we'll talk about that right. later. But. And of course, our relationship kind of started this way. We've been married uh, this year. We'll have been married, what? Gosh, 17 good. years. Yeah. 17 years yeah. we'll have been married. We'll have... Um, met 18 years ago this coming April um, and from the very beginning our relationship was one where we sought to be and do something uncommon um, and yeah, we definitely kind of bonded over not wanting the typical life we wanted something I don't know more. I don't know if that's the right right word. Probably not. Not because that's, cause that's more, suggesting that everybody wants every else, but right. else wants something less, something right? Which is not what different. we're saying. We yeah. wanted something different. We we didn't want the, I don't know, the busyness, the nine to five office job, which which I have now, kind of <laughs> have, but more or we've less made it 
we, we've just made it work for us. I stay at home. It's not easy um, financially. Obviously, it would be far better for us if I did work, but part of Financially, living, it would be better, right, sure. Right, that's what I mean. <laughs> but part of wanting to live differently um, than most was was that. I mean, that was part of it, wanting to have someone in the home, um, me in the home, that could care for it and create beauty. and. Um, I think fundamental to our vision of the life that we wanted to have together is that it would be led and guided by our imaginations, working its way through our faith and what we believe uh, to be incontrovertible and essential truths. But nonetheless, our imaginations, uh, the vibrant imagery, yeah. the rhythm of, of life, we these things. We wanted more adventure than we were seeing um, my kids to see the world and be exposed to all kinds of literature and places and people. And um, I, I didn't, here's a better way to describe it. I didn't want the one vacation a year. I wanted our lives to feel almost like a vacation. And that doesn't mean that we're not working and we're just playing all day. That's not what I mean. I just, I wanted our lives to be constantly um, displayed with beauty and adventure and curiosity and wonder and is that a better way to describe yeah. kind of we didn't we we because it we wasn't never necessarily wa about the job because like you said you have an office job it wasn't that specifically it was just it was a different way of viewing life and wanting to live life and yeah it was wanting to see you know and i think a lot of this is is the result of kind of the modern world that we live in where people like you're you're saying like vacation is something that somebody looks like forward to to the escape whole year, like everyone yeah. is like oh vacation in the summer and that's and i i didn't want that i wanted to look forward to the next day i wanted yeah. our family to be excited about the content next in day. the moment that we're in yeah which requires um, intention, intentionality and time together and you know right. for us the decision for me to stay home was that and to homeschool our children is that time together. So, And, of course, none of these things are unique or new to us. I mean, these are patterns and ways of thinking that have been predominant in the world but for, you know, and are still today. And many of you who are watching us probably have the same aspirations and the same desires and, and are in the same kinds of places. Um, and, and But I think you know, one of the things that we have that we realized really what we were looking for or trying to put our finger on in the very beginning of our relationship uh, was that that our that western culture today and that's a broad a broad subject a broad area but has has an impoverished view of beauty um, and because of that um, we oftentimes all of us live our lives either um, not thinking that beauty is something of importance or value, or um, that that beauty is something so superficial that um, it either should be stayed away from because it can become idolatry, which of course it can, right. um, or that it should be you know pursued after with this intense desire, but then it'll end, it'll turn up empty in the end because this life is fleeting and beauty is impermanent, and I think. There's fundamental misunderstandings about what beauty is and all of that. And because of that, we were on a journey. We've been on a journey of discovering that, 
that beauty itself as a pursuit is essential to a life of joy, um, a life of meaning, and, and a f life fulfilled uh, from our theological uh, you know, convictions, a life fulfilled in Christ is going to be a beautiful life. Um, because beauty is the instantiation, that is the, the becoming present of all that is good and true. So how we kind of came about even doing or thinking about this podcast was a little over a year ago, we were traveling. Um, we live in California. My husband's, uh, what do you say, a Californian? Is that even a word? A Californian, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> I am from the, the South, North Carolina, um, born in Nashville, Tennessee, but, you know, Virginia, Tennessee, North Carolina, I've got family all throughout there. And so Georgia. we were, I lived in Georgia, yes. Yeah. Um, and so we were making our way across from California to North Carolina and, um, it takes a while. It takes about a week. And then, you know, if we're going to go that far, um, and Garrett has the time off, you know, we stay a while. So long story short, this trip was about two months long. Um, for me, he did have to fly home for two weeks to work, but, yeah. um, during the driving part, which I love, we've always loved road trips, day trips, even <clears throat> hour long drives after church. It's been our thing from the very beginning. Yeah, we've always loved um, to drive, get a cup of yeah. coffee. And I feel like it kind of started, so we got pregnant three months into being married. And I feel like it started out of necessity. I don't know if you feel that way, but we, um, when we had Thor, we didn't have a lot of money. I was staying home. Um, having a baby, especially when they get to the age like toddler of moving around, there just wasn't a lot of downtime. We didn't have date nights yeah. like ever. Well, and a lot of it too is that was all happening right around um, the, the housing crisis and the economy oh, right. was crashing. And yeah. I was jumping from job to job as companies right. were sinking. Oh, because you hadn't gone back to school yet. I hadn't gone back to school yet. Yeah. yeah. And so we, yeah, it was. It was a matter of necessity. Right. Like our... You know, and we lived in a part of North Carolina um, that is not known for its great natural beauty. Um, in the eastern part, it's it's uh, like basically flat land. It's a lot of it swamp. Is. It did. I, I feel bad even like admitting this, but it took me 10 years of living there to finally see the beauty in it. And there is beauty there and the people are wonderful and I miss them. Um, but it wasn't my beloved mountains or his beloved ocean. <laughs> my, my coastal so, California. you know, for us, it wasn't, it, it was hard. It was hard to see the beauty there in the beginning. I cried for like two days when we moved here. Do you remember that? I think I cried from like North Carolina to, I don't even know what state. I was so sad to leave because <laughs> I feel like I had finally sunk in and been like, this is a beautiful place. I love it. I will be content here. And that was the second God was like, yeah, all right, <laughs> time to go somewhere else. But you were right. Oh, we're, we're totally getting off. Track, no, but, though. but you were right about, um, where it started was out of necessity, right? Because but it was a dual purpose. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So our drives, he would come home from work and he'd be like, why don't we take a drive? So we, you know, even when we had, you know, our second and later we had twins, we would pack them all up in the car and strap them in and we'd get coffee and they would usually fall asleep and we would have time to talk. We would talk and, and talk and talk. Um, and so we would search for for something that would catch would, our well, eye. We would drive into the country, into the rural, I hate that word, I can never say it very well. Rural. 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 <laughs> um, spaces. And yes, search out beauty 
while we engaged in these conversations and spent time together. And yeah. so this this trip, this road trip, this two-month trip that we were on um, in 2022, the end of 2022, um, we, we were going through these small towns and open lands in Wyoming and what states did we even go through? I don't um, know. I mean, it was the West. Nevada. We went through Nevada, Idaho, okay. Wyoming, South Dakota, So it would have Iowa. been those, those <laughs> states that yeah. we were going through. And what I noticed is we would go through these towns, these small towns, um, not, not very... Um, what what would be the right word? Um, they weren't impoverished, but they were they were plain and they were stark and they there, were places that dealt with the elements that. It was always curious because we were like, "What do these people do for jobs?" Because there weren't major make living, factories, yeah. there weren't town, not even like small downtowns. It, it was always a curious thing to go through these towns and. Um, I always wondered, you know, just what they did because there wasn't a whole lot there. But the thing that I noticed and the thing that kind of got us started on this podcast was I would see the backyards and the front yards, you know, as we're passing through these towns of these tiny houses, dirt yards, not a lot to them. And I would see little signs of beauty of, you know, people with pots of flowers that have been cared for and bloom and, you know, Reminder, this is a lot of barren land, I would say. And so the plants were not just growing by themselves. Somebody was tending them and caring for them and watering them. And I kept seeing little signs of beauty like that. And it, it took a little while for me to figure out. But it was people living there with hope. Like... They were investing, like it was important to them to take the space that they had and make it beautiful and make it their place. And it just showed me if someone's going to do that, that that means they have hope for the future. Like they care, they care enough to do something as simple as plant a flower. Go down to Ace Hardware and buy some flowers and some pots and, so, and some soil. Yeah, and, and so we, we were talking about something. the importance of beauty. That's, you know, that's when, like, the hard conversation, like... Yeah, I mean, I think we, it, it started out, like, you kind of noticing these things and making that observation. And then me, kind of, as I tend to do kind of start looking at it from the philosophical right. kind of cosmic level of what is driving people and what does that say about us as human beings and what does it say about the world that we have that we live in now and its Mm -hmm. values and also the world that we will leave for our children and also the way the things that actually inspire and drive us and change us for the better um and and that they're within kind of the circle of, I would say, of American evangelicalism or American Christianity, uh, this kind of avoidance of even having um, ideas about it, talking about it, talking about it as being important. Um, And I think often because people don't have a a well um, understood idea of what beauty really is and and how important it is and how it it is essential to what God has done and what he is doing and who he is and also to worship and to how we order and pattern our lives and and without it we will have a poverty of vision 
when it comes to our own spiritual life and our and the way we we view others and we view our role in the world. So why don't we talk about so our our podcast is called The Beauty Saves and there's a reason why um we went with that. I was a little hesitant at first, but I really love the meaning behind it and I'll let Garrett explain that to you. Yeah, so it comes from a novel that I, I must confess I haven't read the entire novel. Um I've only read sections of it and it's been a while, but it comes from uh Fyodor Dostoevsky's The Idiot. And that novel is actually um kind of a, a the the correlative opposite of his novel Crime and Punishment. And in The Idiot, um the main character Prince uh, Mishkin is um a is kind of considered a simpleton. Um others might even think that he is what we would call today developmentally disabled, but that's not actually true about him. He's just um has an innocent um and pure um understanding of love and of beauty and care for other people. And in that um in that process he's in a dialogue and he kind of admits as the novel puts it that he believes that beauty will save the world. And in that I think you kind of see the really the philosophy and theology of Dostoevsky kind of flowering up his idea as an artist of what he is trying to do and the idea that beauty beauty the concept of beauty is the disclosure of what is ultimate reality what is ultimately true the most real of the real as it is expressed in our world whether it is aesthetically through the arts whether it is in the creation the things when we see the sun setting um on the Yosemite Valley and the granite's lighting up in purples and pinks and we see the what looks like flames coming down uh, Yosemite Falls because of that sunlight when our heart sings with joy because of that we are seeing something disclosed to us that is ultimately true and it is that it is that disclosure that ultimately will save the world and it has saved the world and for uh, Dostoevsky and for us and for Christians throughout Christian history it is Christ himself yeah, the ultimate disclosure of reality yeah. is it Jesus or is it beauty that saves it's actually it's one and the same i think is what we're getting yeah. at right it's not right the, well and it's it's one and the and same but it's also it's like the stone you know it's it's like the stone that hits the pool and you know the stone is the thing that causes mm-hmm. the splash and and the waves radiate out and the effects yeah. of that and so Christ is the incarnation he's the ultimate disclosure of the character of God of who God is for us to understand and know God in the most real way um but then the the after effects of that the reverberations of that disclosure comes into our world and it transforms things yeah. it makes wrong right it makes ugly beautiful it makes it makes the good known in the world it's good is 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 kind of a faceless and void without its expression and so how it's expressed is what is beautiful and so yes in knowing Christ you know what is beautiful but you also can know him through the things that are the after effects the sh- the the reverberations if you will even of, if you don't recognize that it is god putting it out right. there you know even if you don't think of god the moment you're seeing the sunset it is his handiwork it it is this reflection of him and i really love that 
So, um, and that's, yeah. And that's, you know, um, should I speak on the, the three transcendentals yeah, now? Go for it. So, so part of that is, you know, within Christian historic Christian thought, there's this idea that there are, um, that scripture reveals that there's three transcendentals. That's three things that, that support and, and overarch all that we know. And that is the true, the good, and the beautiful. And of course, all of them have their genesis, their beginning in God, who is the essence of those things. He is the essence of the true. He is the essence of the good. He is the essence of the beautiful. The true is, is what we understand. It is, it is our knowledge. It is axiomatic, meaning it is uh, beliefs, you know, uh, something like, you know, the Lord God, the Lord God is one, the Shema from the Old Testament, that idea that that is an axiom that is true. And the way that, you know, the way that takes shape through the actions of man and through what is right behavior or, or right action is in what is the good. You know, that is a transcendental. What is good? Um, we can say something is good, something is bad. And of course, in a fallen world, we see that in gradations. Um, more oftentimes, something isn't entirely bad. It's not entirely good. Right. Um, or something good that can be bad. Something that can be good. used for bad. Yeah, something good distorted. can be used for bad. Something bad that ends up being used for good. Yeah. Um, and, and then, of course, the final one, the what I would call the instantiation or the disclosure of the true and the good is what the beautiful is. And so it is in... We live in a materially incarnate world. God has created this world. He, in the act of creation, he looked at all he had done. He said, this is good. What I have done is good. And the end result of what he has done that is so good is what is beautiful. It is the Garden of Eden. It is, it is man and woman. Um, it is his uh, fellowship with them. And also, more than that, it's the potentiality of what they're going to create. Because when he places them in the garden, uh, he doesn't tell them just to hang out. He says, you know, be fruitful, multiply, uh, exercise dominion over creation, yeah, make created, it your home. Right. He created us to create and right. to create beautiful things. To tend, to care for, right. um, to, to, like we're you said. We're all creators. Or, and we've all been given the task of putting beautiful just beauty into the world, not beautiful things necessarily, because, you know, some people, their, their thoughts and their words are beautiful and, you know, stories are so important to the world. It's, it's just amazing. Well, now I would say like, you know, and we'll certainly talk about a lot of literature, but over time, but the idea that, um, you know, C.S. Lewis talks about our having like a baptized imagination, uh, the idea that an imagination that the, the idea, I mean, Think about this, folks, like like you can envision a different world in your mind. I mean, you can envision a different world in your mind, a better world, a world more ideal idea or ideally suited to you, I should say. Um, and some of those things are, are uh, oftentimes they are colored and textured by our own our own selfish desires and so forth. But the idea that Lewis is saying is that, that imagination can be baptized and it can it can move towards the good and and then what it creates is of course beautiful um <clears throat> i think of uh of uh, something that the the great poet i believe it was alexander pope um wrote that the sound is the echo of the sense that in creating a poem um where the rhyme 
uh, is happening that actually communicates to you the emotion of the words. And so sound waves themselves are part of this material world. And that's why music moves us so deeply. That is why words in a variety of languages struck, strung together in a meaningful way move us so deeply. Uh, that's why images, I mean, you know, if you go down to the most material level, people say, oh, it's just light bouncing off of electrons in your eye. Now, what is that? You know, beauty is subjective, right? They would say. Um, but the idea that w what we see has the, the ability to actually change the way we feel um, and change the way we see the world should tell us that we were meant uh, for uh, understanding the world in that way. And of course, we all do. And I think it's important that we recognize it and act on it. And, and so going all the way back full circle to Dostoevsky, this is what he was communicating, that if, if we can, can act on the truth by doing the good, we create beauty. Beauty then is transforming the world around us, saving it, um, making it healthy again, making it whole again. And at the same time, it is leading us further and closer to God as we lean in to those things. And so it's, it's a profound way of looking at the world. And, and I, I just feel like um, we have a very impoverished view, as I said already, <clears throat> of that. Um, and because of that, we, you know, our, I think our society reflects that. I think yeah. our society reflects that in a lot of ways. Um, and not intentionally so. It's just when you kind of accept the premise that we are just matter, we are just bags of, of chemicals, you know, interacting in the world, then you're not going to put any effort into anything that has lasting meaning. But Yeah, beauty definitely shapes the soul. Which, yeah. yeah. What you behold, you become. Beholding is becoming, someone right. once said. Yeah, so we're not talking about, you know, the typical beauty. When you say beauty to someone, it is... Um, the way it, somebody it looks. Is that, or, but yeah. it's not. I mean, that's not what this podcast is about. We're going to be talking about art, yes, and literature, and gardening, and so many things. Um, but we're taking it um, a little bit deeper. And uh, what... What would you say? Well, you one of the things that we talked about was um, like beauty in the ordinary. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's kind of what you're saying that there's not, you know, an ordinary is, you know, what is ordained for everyday life, and and so we look at the ordinary and we think, well, you know, this is just the things you have to do. We get up in the morning, brush your yeah. teeth, run a comb through your hair, yeah. make a pot of coffee, go to work. Uh, get in your car, go do those things. And, and, but can you redeem those times, those moments, those ordinary yeah. moments? So, yeah, some might say romanticizing the ordinary, um, taking something, some task of the day and making it more romantic. I've seen that several times in um, articles and across Instagram. But I, I see it more as just adding beauty and it doesn't have to be for someone else like it's it's for you you know beauty definitely um when when you're surrounded by it 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 does something to our self-esteem it it does something to our mood and there's a reason for that i mean what? beauty is a, a good thing like there's a reason why it's important that we surround ourselves with beauty well and i think it's you know the thing that it does is it takes our attention off of ourself 
you know, what we attend to is what we will change into. And so if we are beholding things that we know are, if they're transcendent, meaning they are above and beyond this world in which we be inhabit, giving this world its meaning and its purpose, um, its telos in the Greek, if, if we are attending to those beautiful things, even in small ways, then it's taking the attention off ourselves um, in a way that, you know, is not, um, think, you know, uh, I think C.S. Lewis said this, you know, not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less, you know, and, and because of that, we can behold the world and all that's there in a, in a pure way yeah. and, and allow God to speak to us um, in, in a better way. And that's, yeah. you know, that's so much of what um, I think, you know, certain types of, of, of prayerful meditation actually are is finding ways, you know, um, I, I know uh, Catholic theologians, I think, use the term, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know exactly, but I think it's, you know, achieving the beatific vision. The idea that through prayer and through meditative prayer, you can actually, you know, experience more of God than, than you do just, you know, going about your daily life. And, and of course, that's kind of what we're, we're like looking for, too. meditating as you're going, like, like a constant conversation, am I... Well, that that's true too. I mean, that's what I when I think of prayer, it's for me, it's a constant conversation throughout the day that I have with God. It's not a sit down time and pray. And sometimes I I do do that, but is that what you mean, or is this different? No, I, I would say it's different. I would say it's it's a it's a type of prayer that's focused on on losing sight of yourself and beholding God. So okay. it's like actually kind of a process. I, I'm not an expert on this, but I think I do. I think to some extent, um, you know, I know in, in, in certain things, people talk about like what we would call flow state in psychology. Never heard of you never heard of that. You never heard of that. You should look up on and that. And I love psychology. Yeah. So. Uh, the idea of flow state that when you become kind of, when you lose um, connection with your is it like the runner high that runners similar have? to that similar to that, that. but flow state run. is flow yeah flow state is and it's a real thing I experienced yeah. at one time but I don't like to run either um, flow state is when you kind of are are losing um, connection with your own self regard to such a degree that you're able to do the thing that you are doing like from a place of subconscious participation and understanding. Um, and so artists and musicians experience that athletes experience that the runner's high is more of a, is more of something that happens with endorphins where okay. your body doesn't feel pain or, or that you're like <laughs> dying for breath. You just kind of are with, you know, your, yeah. your brain kind of disconnects from your body and you can just run forever. Yeah. This is more like you work on a level of, of, of unconscious excellence. You just do. And I think that within like meditative prayer, you just, you just be with God in a way that you're experiencing okay, that. Yeah, so, that makes sense. but anyway, that's that's kind of a, a tangent. But that's we'll have lots of those, I'm, I'm sure. sure. <laughs> I'm sure those will happen a lot. So, so go ahead. Did, was there something you wanted to say? No, go ahead. I, I was going to say so. Going going back, um, eighteen years, seven seventeen years, whenever we first got married, um, somehow someone must have given me this book, um, Edith Schaefer's The Hidden Art of Homemaking. And that well, it was probably a couple years in actually, because I remember the apartment we were living in when I was reading it. Um, 
but that was one of the books that shaped my current ideas on beauty and the importance of it because um, pre this book I felt like um, trying to capture beauty specifically in my home was um, unnecessary and wasteful. I, I, I don't self-indulgent. Self-indulgent is a good way to say it. I, I don't know if I put this on myself or if I had learned this in a church or I don't know where it came from, but I felt like, um, so my example to Garrett the other day was if, if I went into a store and I saw this beautiful bouquet of flowers for five or $10, I wouldn't get it because I felt like why buy the flowers? Why, why waste my money five or $10 on flowers that will die five days later? Like it, it didn't seem like it was worth, um, it felt like I was putting my money towards the wrong thing. Like, um, yeah, it, it just didn't feel like I was allowed to do that and still be faithful. Be faithful. Yeah. yeah, that's a good. I was trying to figure out how to. Yeah, there was there's like this this tug and pull of my heart. Like I wanted the beauty. I I wanted to bring it home. I I wanted to spend time and resources that I had making my apartment or our little two bedroom apartment beautiful, but I, I felt like that was wrong. And so this book changed my my heart and my mind on that, that beauty is important and God wants us to create beauty. And that doesn't mean that you spend, you know, a ton of money doing it. it. It doesn't mean that it becomes your idol or your your focus. But I will say that when you do that, when you when you um, make a beautiful bar. I mean, you made our bar out of redwood. That's I'm I'm trying to think of examples. Like currently, um, I made this this big weaving that is hanging in our in our bedroom. Um, when you take your gifts and your skills and your resources or you go to a thrift store and you find, I mean, we have tons of things I've thrifted. We're not talking money. We're just talking. We're talking effort. We're talking um, seeing. We're talking really exercising imagination, recreation, restoration, renewal. Uh, in the world around us and yeah. in our in our own home, um, creating a space that is welcoming, that makes our children feel like they belong to a world that their parents yeah, have crafted for them creating... to experience what transcends themselves. Yeah, it's, it's making our home a sanctuary, which is what it should be. We should come into this space and feel peace and see beauty and... Um, I would use the word a sacred space. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the sense that it's sacramental. Like we it's, should spend time making our place of home, you know. Yeah. It is It is the center of our lives together, the center of our existence. It's where it's where our very daily, you know, um, presence is, as husband and wife, um, as father and son, as mother and daughter, as parents to our children, where we are, in a sense, um, manifesting uh, the 
creational design of God into the world. And yeah. so it is sacred in that sense. And so we want, you know, and it's participating in that greater essence, that truer true um, beyond ourselves and beyond our world. And so we want, we want that truer than true to break into our world so our kids can like attach themselves to it. So it's like sticky, like they, it's like, you know, I've used the example before of the way they train bankers to recognize counterfeit money by never letting them see it or touch it. And so when we, you know, introduce and expose our children to beautiful things as much as we can, they will not buy into the empty and the shallow and the worthless down the road. Right. Yeah. We're, we're surrounding our, our children specifically in our homes with, um, the good, the truth and the beauty so that when they leave this house someday and they go out into the world where there is a lot of ugliness and there's a lot of, um, falsehoods and there's a lot of, um, misdirection, hopefully they will know at some point, Oh wait, this, this isn't beauty. This isn't truth. This isn't goodness. Well, it's training, training the senses. You know, it's one thing, you know, we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We should mm-hmm. understand what we believe, but you need to see, you need to experience that yeah. truth in right. the world yeah. too, we, because if you go into right. the world and you have all these, right. these it's ideas one in your mind. Someone, yeah. It's one thing for someone to just tell you, it's another for you to actually experience it and to be a part of it and grab hold of it yourself. Yeah. And that's what we want for and I, our kids. I would say one of the ways that Jessica is really excellent at that um, is in her gift of hospitality and where, you know, it's not just that we like to have people over and have them, you know, for dinner and, you know, you don't, you know, make some hamburger helper and, and uh, we sit around a table and pass out paper plates, although we do do that sometimes. Um, but it's more like she creates an inviting experience an inviting experience. Like there's, there's almost always a theme. There is, um, an, an, an effort to tie things together. So when people come into our home, they're not just coming into our, the place that we live. They're not just coming into our house. They're coming into a space that has been, that has been designed for them to be, to feel part of our life. Yeah, and I, I learned that early on in my, my younger, um, my younger, the beginning of being a wife and a mother. Um, there's, I'm trying to think of a word. This will happen a lot. But anyway, the younger days of when I was a new mom, a new wife, and I had um, older women invite me into their spaces, their homes with their children, and just how they, you know, I, we lived in a tiny apartment for a long time, several apartments actually. And I would say they weren't specifically places of beauty. It was stressful. I had little kids. Um, at some point he had gone back to grad school. I was home a lot. The place was not, was not clean. I mean, I'm a messy person anyway, but when you've got, you know, four kids, five and under, (laughs) that's a whole new level of mess that I'm sure some of you are familiar with. But these older moms that would invite me into their home once a week and they would go to the the trouble um, of having 
coffee and tea and fresh baked muffins and they would you know their living room would be tidy and clean because they had older kids that helped and it, it was it was kind of like a breath of fresh air for me to go into this new space and be able to just sit down surrounded by um, you know women that loved me but also I don't know just the care the effort the effort that was put forward for me to feel peaceful and at home and their love was being manifested in it tangible really ways. It really meant something yeah. to me. And it changed my day. Like it literally to go into that space from the space I was coming from. Not that that other space was bad. It was just the season I was in. It, it really, it just affected my soul. And I want to do that for other people now because it has been shown to me. It was, it was given to me at a time when I needed it. So, um... And it's easier for me to do. I, I couldn't have done that back then for someone else, yeah. you know, but now, now I can, I, I love candles. I love plants. I love cooking. I love spending time making bread, not sourdough. Sourdough is way too kid-like or toddler-like. You have routines and you have to like feed it every day. And <laughs> I, I was just like, I've tried it three times and I'll stick you couldn't with keep the it alive. bread. I'm like, yeah, that's true. It, <laughs> Or it just got so big because I never used it. I was right. like, why am I feeding this thing flour when I'm not even baking bread? Because, again, you have to, like, time it right and all this yeah. stuff. So, anyway, all that to say, doesn't have to be sourdough bread, but you can spend time baking bread for an hour. And, and you know, it, it just, whatever your skill is. I'm not saying you have to bake bread. I'm just saying there's a million, a million things you can do yeah. um, to just be inviting and to show your love. And I would say with that, when you say there's a million things, I think, you know, when people hear uh, us talk about beauty, maybe you're thinking, well, isn't beauty, you know, kind of, isn't it subjective? Isn't beauty in the eye of the beholder? Some person may think this is beautiful while another person thinks that thing is beautiful. You may hear what Jessica's talking about and being like, well, how can you not express beauty uh, or how can you express beauty without being able to bake sourdough? Like, isn't it the greatest form of bread ever? And uh, but the thing is, it's not that it's not that beauty is subjective. Um, it's not that beauty is relative. It's that you know it is it is singular. It is objective. However, it is mul it has a it is a multiplicity. Um, it is expressed in so many ways. And like I was saying before, that ultimately it is the essence of the divine of God of uh, manifest in Christ, but that that has this rippling effect through our lives. And those ripples touch all of us differently. And because we are unique and because our personalities are different and because our interests and our skills are different, um, because our talents are different, um, they are going to find their way into our lives if we, if we cultivate them. And I will say that it has to be cultivated. You don't just wake up one day and know what beauty is or how to do it. <laughs> You have to cultivate it. You have to ponder it. You have to to surround yourself with it to be changed by it, and then you can work it out in your own life. But it is it is a multiplicity. Beauty is a multiplicity uh, of of a singular absolute being expressed in a world um, that is complex and has a variety of different ways of being expressed. And so, yeah. you know, and you know, your giftings are not going to be the same as your giftings or my giftings or somebody else's. Um, and it's important that we all understand that. And I think that that kind of weaves the tapestry yeah. 
that of the world I, I truly, being restored. Yeah, I truly believe every single person creates beauty in some way or form. Or, or has the or capacity can, to do right, it. Right, yeah. has the capacity to do it. And it's not all going to be the same, but that's the beauty of it is that yeah. it's not all the same. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, being able and also cultivating our own ability to see that beauty in others when it may be different from the way that we are able to accomplish it. Um, and because of that, you know, I see the creation of beauty, the, 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 the um, manifestation of beauty in the world as a, as a modest and defiant act against the spirit of the age, against the secular world, um, against a world that shakes its fist at what is true and what is good. And the way that, and I think what you were describing when we were driving through those little towns with those little flowers that people had put, you know, their, their, their energy into to create that, that little space of beauty in a, in a place that was otherwise bleak was a defiant act against the bleakness. Um, which makes me think, I, were you going to uh, talk about that, um, the flower oh, grower? Yeah. yeah, so a couple weeks ago, I was ordering seeds for um, my garden. There's some seeds that you have to plant when it's cold so that they can get um, go through the cold weather and then come up in the spring. Anyway, um, I went on to order my seeds in Florette. Uh, it's this farm, this flower farm up in Washington, and they have this little film. It's maybe 30, 35 minutes, but it's about this... Um, this woman living in Ukraine in the war zone and tending her garden and how, you know, despite, you know, the sirens going off and this war zone that she's living in, how the beauty of her garden is so valuable to her. Um, it brings her joy. It makes her smile even in the midst of a place like this. And it just struck me. It's something that I've thought about a lot, um, how you can be in these dire circumstances. You can live in these horrible places, horrible times, war, drought, famine, whatever it is. Um, there's been so many people through history go going, gone through horrific things. But it always, I always look for or pay attention to when they have spotted beauty or grabbed hold of just a little tiny shred of beauty because to them, to everyone, that's it's light, it's hope. Right. And so yeah. I just find that so beautiful and so inspiring that, you know, because we don't know what what's to come. But but I know whatever, you know, the future holds, there is still going to be beauty. You may have to look harder for it, but I know it will still be there. Well, and it always it, it's you cannot defeat it. Right. It's not it's not defeatable. Right. It, you can. You know, you can like raise a whole, you know, town to the ground with bombs and in the springtime daffodils will pop up all through it. You know, uh, you cannot defeat the true, the good and the beautiful. It is transcendent. It is ultimate reality. And so the beauty will pervade. It will it will defeat the darkness. It will defeat the ugly. It will defeat the war. You know, and I think I think that's what it's showing us is that in the midst in the midst of a world where there is so much that seems out of whack and, 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 and so unjust and so, um, you know, at war with what is true. Um, at the same time, um, the, the beautiful can exist in that and overshadows it every single time. Um, I, I think of, you know, one of the things that you, you 
if you think about Christ and his miracles, you know, all of his miracles are restorations of broken things, whether it's people in broken relationship with, with God or, or um, broken, you know, uh, broken body parts from eyes that don't work to men who are crippled. You know, the interesting thing about Jesus is, is uh, you know, everything unclean that he touches is made clean. And everything that he touches, he makes new. Um, and with, I think, the, the, his kind of pinnacle miracle prior to his own resurrection is, is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And what's amazing about that is um, Christ does it in the midst of the knowledge that Lazarus is still going to die one day. Yeah, eventually. He's eventually going to yeah. die a, a mortal, you know, he's a mortal man. He will die a natural death. But Christ raises him from the dead for the love of Lazarus's sisters to display his own goodness and and the the true identity of who he is. So we have this beautiful image of this dead man now made alive coming out of the tomb. And though Lazarus will die someday, that that moment of resurrection shows us that there is a path to the eternal, that there is a path to overcoming um, what the world can sometimes beat us down with. And it's, it can be expressed as simply in that, that flower garden in Ukraine or in something as mysterious and powerful as the miracles of Jesus. But either way, we all are participating in that. We get to participate in that from the smallest level to the largest level. And it is good and it is true when our purpose in doing it is to align ourselves with what is ultimately true and what is ultimately real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We um, were also talking about, what is that art form of... Um... Oh, kintsugi? Yeah. Yeah. So kintsugi is a Japanese kind of, I would call it maybe a, um, a, a kind of artisanship. Um, it is an art form, certainly. What it is is, if you're not familiar with it, it's a... Um, something that the Japanese developed um, over many, many centuries where they take broken pottery, uh, things made of, of enamel or of, of porcelain, um, very valuable vases or bowls or teacups or teapots that have crashed and broken into pieces, and they restore them using uh, gold-infused enamel. Mm -hmm. And so in the end, you have this thing that was once this beautiful work of art, it's been broken rather than casting it aside or casting it on the trash heap. You've taken it to a person who is uniquely able to restore it using this technique. And what you have in the end is something that has become more valuable because it's had gold added to it. So its material is now materially more valuable. And its beauty is in the restoration it's in the fact that you can see the cracks of I the would brokenness say it's more beautiful yeah afterwards yeah the the the, the repair of it has made right. it more beautiful it now has these you you know the the brokenness is now evident mm -hmm. but it has been restored and so you have the story of the making of the destruction right. and of the restoration yeah. all in this image and it's very powerful and yeah. in in that culture, it makes these things more valuable. The, the broken but restored um, pottery is more valuable than the perfect. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and and there's something for us all to understand in that i think something very deep yeah because we're we're all broken people yeah i don't care who you are yeah broken people we all understand that there's something not quite right in us or in the world and and so the participation in the beautiful is is both acknowledging that but also you know stealing our wills and our minds against it um for what is true and what is good yeah so um i think was there anything else you wanted to say in our our introduction episode yeah i mean this is a conversation that's gonna gonna keep on going and and uh, we hope that as we as we kind of bring these topics out you know we i think for us we're still learning and trying to understand and i will say this too that you know, we live in a, in a moment, <clears throat> in a cultural moment, where many have described there being a crisis of meaning in our culture. Um, in our Western culture, a crisis of meaning is we have become ever more secularized and people don't quite understand what the point of all of this is. If we're just Or they're just desperately trying to find out why they're here. Like yeah. They just don't know what their life means is, or is good for. And they chase the things, you know, I mean, how many... TikTok videos are are there of millennials and Gen Zers. Are you on TikTok? No, I'm not oh, on I'm TikTok. Not but you see these things; they'll they'll pop up on like you know certain articles, or maybe oh, okay. someone will repost on Instagram, which I am. We are on Instagram. Um, <clears throat> but this idea that you know, hey, I went to college, I got the job, mm-hmm. and I'm doing this thing now, and why am I not happy? Why am right. I so? Right. Why am I? I feel so empty. Why can't I meet somebody? Why can't I fall in love? Why, you know, or you, these people who have, they've gotten 10 or 15 years into a career and they're like, this is, you know, meaningless. It's all meaningless. And we, we have a real crisis of meaning. And there's a lot of great intellectuals who are doing work on this and, and trying to bring the imaginative and the, the, um, the, the imagery and the beauty and the, the patterns of life giving um, participation, you know, to the masses and we just hope to be a small part of that and so you know participate with us come to us with questions or observations and or things you disagree with and yeah i mean you know i just i think conversation is good i think different ideas are good like we shouldn't shy away from them i feel like you know again today i feel like if you disagree with someone it's kind of like a I don't like you as a person and that's not that's not what this is at all like have a different opinion let's talk about it don't agree with us maybe you're not a christian maybe you know that's that's fine let's talk about it let's hear your questions let's well and i also think too uh, you know definitely like if you are not a christian like you don't necessarily need to be one to understand how true this is, at least on, on a a certain human level. Um, I think it's, it's hard to hold it all together, um, in any kind of meaningful way without, um, the greater reality behind it all. But certainly there, you know, from, from Plato on down, there have been many, um, who were not specifically Christian who understood that there is something that unifies all things and that right. it's expressed there's in our world. something bigger. I think everyone knows. There's yeah. Well, and everyone has that. And that's what beauty inside. teaches. Yeah. Beauty teaches that yeah. there is something beyond this world. Right. C.S. Lewis, um, I think I have a, a phrase here I'd written down. Uh, C.S. Lewis in his, um, you know, he often writes on the concept of, of joy. 
And he says, you know, that joy, um, and I would say that joy is the experience, the emotion that accompanies the experience of, 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 I don't know, the experience of experiencing the transcendent, the, the beautiful. And he would say that when we encounter this joy, that it's like bright shoots of everlastingness are shining down on us and, and they're piercing into our world. And so that's really, you know, where that meaning is going to be found is in these bright shoots of everlastingness that, that the, the, the world beyond that, that orders everything that we experience shining through these kind of thin spaces where the ultimate true is, is showing it's, is, is kind of leaking in to our world. And we want to be part of that and we want to be creating that and we want to be leading others to it and we all want to be changed by it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, then the next episode, we're going to be talking about gardening, one of my favorite topics and um yeah there's there's a lot more to come there's there's so many things we want to touch on and talk about a lot of literature share like and subscribe as they say (laughs) (laughs) share like and subscribe thumbs up please do um and uh and we we want to be able to to grow what we're doing here and and uh spend more time um uh, getting these concepts out into the world and also introducing introducing things that aren't unique to us but maybe are are seem unique and so that's what we want to do so thank you very much for listening this long and we'll see you next time bye